Hello and welcome to New Job Who This presented by Seek. Welcome to part one of our three-part podcast miniseries exploring the great job boom. On this episode, we're doing something we love very, very much, talking about ourselves. <laughs> that we are. But hey, this miniseries is all about a topic that both you and I are super passionate about helping people find purpose and meaning in what they do for their career. We'll be arming people with the info and confidence they need to make meaningful changes to their lives. Let's be real. The large majority of us have to pretty much work up until we die. But the world has changed. You don't have to do a job you don't want to do anymore. Right now, Seek has more job ads on their platform than ever before. We really are in the great job boom. Best part about this series is that we're dropping the whole damn lot all at once. All three episodes of New Job Who Dis presented by Seek are out now. Listen wherever you get your pods. Let's go. Hello and welcome to New Job Who Dis presented by Seek. Welcome to part one of our three-part podcast mini-series. And I'll tell you what, Locke, I am so excited to get into it today. Oh, well, our good friends at Seek, um, can't help but thank them uh, for kicking off this series in style with us. You know what I mean? The showcase, the centrepiece. Well, it's like, do you really start, uh, you know, the concert with, you know, the main act? Are you saying yeah. we're the main act? Oh, I don't know. I'm feeling like it a little oh. bit at the moment. Is that too confident, a bit yeah, too it's arrogant? Yeah, a, a bit yucky, but I'm happy to go on. Because right now, yeah. this whole series, let's get into why we're, why we're so passionate. This the podcast and why we feel so aligned in what we're doing, mm. we started the podcast to show people the possibilities that are out there in the new world. And this series for us is all around, centered around the great job boom. And right now there are more job ads on Seek than ever before. Mm. And it's something that we talk about all the time. If you want a new job, go out there and get it for yourself. Because there is no time like the present. There is jobs absolutely everywhere. So if you're sitting in a job you hate, if you're turning up to those meetings on Zoom and you're like, Oh my god! I, I just can't believe I'm I'm at another four p.m. Friday drinks. Hey guys, you know if you if you're doing that, if you're talk, turning up to work and you can't stand the sight of your coworkers, or you're sick of getting paid what you're doing, or you're you're sitting there going, I don't know how my skills are transferable into something else, but I'm not passionate. I don't feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing. Stop sitting there and and watching TV and watching Netflix and being sad and not really addressing the real cause of what it is. People spend so much time of their life allocated to work. And right now, if you are not in a career that is making you actually or helping add towards your happiness, or if you're not in a career that is actually helping you towards, I know this is a stopgap because my journey is going to be helping me to get to here, so I'm doing some hard work to get to that. I'm, I'm so, I know we're all about positive mental health and well-being and all that sort of stuff, but people need to face the reality of it. Mm. If you are working a job you hate, there is nothing stopping you going and changing that. I like it. I like it. And to be honest, I'm excited to get stuck into it because to be honest, I've never really wrote down or laid out all the different jobs that I've had. And I know you you haven't either. So um, I think we're going to kick it off with you first. And can you take us on the journey from where it all started for you and uh, when you're a little hustler, hicker, and uh, the journey throughout and all the, the, some of the lessons you've learned and why you transitioned and what was the mindset when you were taking that leap of faith? So well, I haven't transitioned, transitioned. Yet I'm, mm. I'm still who I am. You know, well, you're I still who you are, but I'm just saying, in the, in the career front, you've uh, you've had a few different jobs, and I know you're excited to get stuck in and tell a few different stories because I feel like there's some lessons and, as you would say, nuggets of gold. Well, I think that this is one of those things where, like, in the past, in, in, in future times, it was like people will go and get a career and that's your job. That's your lifetime job. I think that when you and I have written down all the things and the, the type of employment history that we've had to date, it really shows that, 
people coming through, the next gen of people coming through are going to have even more of these crazy jobs that people, job titles that didn't people didn't realise actually existed. New jobs being created in the digital economy, just like people on their own journeys, gathering skills, getting learnings along the way. And it's, I think that's very much who you and I are as people. A hundred percent. And like one thing I think about with careers and stuff is like, you need all different jobs. You need to create different tasks and different things. You know, you need to stimulate the economy and, and, you know, have a nice society where we can have nice things. And, you know, but for me, work has always been about, you always have to work. So for me, my mindset has always been from the start is try a bunch of different things. You know what I mean? Because you're going to spend a lot of your time doing it to get, to make money, you know, to feed yourself, to get that security. So why not? Like if that's the only thing that you can like surprise yourself with and spark up your sort of life with, like if you're in a position like I am, a privileged position, then and you can do that, then fucking I like that. Is you it know? work to live or live to work? I don't know. I just thought like one thing before we get kicked off into your story, I don't know, I've just got to say it before I forget, but my granddad, Grumbum, he's always had I love many, that you call him Grumbum. Yeah, too. Grumbum. He's it's been in the family oh, for years and years. Um but yeah, he's always had all these different jobs and Ever since I was a kid, I was always like, I love that. You know, he was a VFL footballer, AFL footballer back in the day in the 50s with Teddy Winton and all that sort of stuff. But he's done all different jobs. And I love the fact that he experienced life like that, you know, challenged himself in all these different ways. And for me, that was the mindset. I was like, oh, I just want to do that. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just like everything's different. I can you know? learn it. I can learn it. I can learn it. You know what I mean? That's part of being human, isn't it? Like to sort of challenge yourself and I don't know. The growth mindset. I feel like there's a bit of fear attached with people, that confidence they need to get up and, and make that move. And yeah. I think it is that like a tackling of things are going to be, if you start something new, yes, there's going to be things yeah. you don't know. But yeah. But everything's are, hard. Everything's hard. Everything's if you stay hard. in the shit job, that's hard as. Yeah, it's hard If you as. don't move, that's the worst. Go and learn something. Spend a bit of time focusing on something yeah. to learn some new skills. But hey, we're yeah. going to get into it first up. Uh, get into your story. Come on. get into my story. The first first memory I can remember of actually doing doing some actual hard day's work. Oh, I like to still classify it hard day. Real, real Calluses work. on the hand. Calluses on the hand. Yeah. And, Big uh, boy work. Besides like the Kelly Slaters and the Michael Jordans of the world, my hero for my whole life has been my old man. Oh, I love that. And yeah. – uh, he ran, he's run Hicks Electric since like 1984. So he's a, he's a mm. sparky by trade, focuses on air conditioning. And I, I, from the time I was a kid, I used to do my holidays and time off and whatever. And I would always be like, he's an apprentice. I'd be out mm. running cables in roofs, under floors. He left me under floor. Mm. You're listening, Ackers. I know you don't listen to the pod, you know. But <laughs> yeah. if you are listening, I know you left me under that house in Anglesey while you went and checked the surf. And you didn't come back for an hour, you know, the snakes and things around. But mm. anyway, one of the things I did learn was – what is an actual real day's work? You know? Effort-wise. Being on site. Yeah. One of the things about my old man, which I, which I love a lot, is he's very regimented. Yeah. You're up. No sitting on the work while you're working. Yeah. Walk and talk. Yeah. Grab this. Don't stand. Hands in the pocket. No hands in the pocket. Grab the tools. Mm. Up in the roof. Next job. Because you don't get churning them out. You're not getting anything done. But you're also yeah. – so there's a few things. I, I put down some of the skills that I learned mm. on these jobs. And – one was customer service, you know, like I'm in people's homes, you know, I'm talking, I'm in their care, I'm in their lounge rooms helping measure up and we're putting a new air con above your TV. Yeah. You know, there's babies sucking up small talk. I'm going to talk to people, you yeah. know, I'm going to talk yeah. to real people in their homes, in yeah. their environments going, well. Absorb their information, you know, and do your job and, and learn. That's it. And the, yeah. and the second one was quality of work. My old man is a very, he's a stickler for, he understands the difference between quality tradesmanship mm. and a non-quality job. Yeah. So we would, if it meant that, the job had to be a bit harder for us, mm. the people doing the job, yeah. so that the customer gets a better quality in the end. Mm. Well, that was what we had to do. That was not that was the default mode. It was not an option of do we cut corners and do this. It was 
No, you, you know, you run the pipes up through the wall, which means you might take an extra hour to do the job because that's how it needs to be done. Doesn't matter if you need to go to the footy or you need to do other things, does it? You need no, to get it done. You need to get it done. The other one was a hard day's work. I know, like, I, I fast forward now and I laugh at some of the, like, I look at some of the jobs I had yeah. since this. Yeah. And I've gone back and I've done work with dad over many time, different times of through this thing. But it was my first sort of experience, but it's a hard day's work. You know, yeah. it's physical manual calluses tired legs coming home exhausted you yeah. know yeah that's like that's a skill that i understand like i don't feel that going into the world working in the world of tech i feel like mentally drained and we have like long days and stuff but like mm. s- sitting at a desk and pumping things on a keyboard and it's still i still find that really funny you know yeah yeah, yeah. i can't help it but i i do yeah and the last thing the last real uh i think a trait that I, a skill that I, i've brought with me and is, is around human empathy mm. so my old man, uh, similar to your old man, I, I can imagine, they're, they're, they're good people, you know? Yeah. They're good people and um, he would do a lot of jobs where he'd go and do servicing air conditioners at the old people's home and all, all that sort of stuff and he just wouldn't charge them anything. Yeah. So we're out there doing work and that, but he's just yeah. he just wants to make sure that they're okay. So yeah. it's learning who, who should you be making money off, you know? What, what's the point of life? You know what, what I mean? What is the point of life? Yeah. From there... My first actual employment was at uh, the local pharmacy. There I delivered go. medicine on a bike to the local community uh, for five bucks an hour. BYO bike. You kidding? What bike did you have? It was an old like uh, mountain bike. He had gears, yeah, straight handles, flat bar handles, not like race road race handles. And I had ridden a bike for I can't remember how long it was. Since training I, wheels on or off? no training wheels on, but it felt like I needed them. <laughs> and like for that job, like doing a, like one or two shifts a week and. Like I still remember, there's for people who grew up or understand the area around many ponds. There's a really in in Victoria. There's a really steep hill. And I remember this one experience of like doing this really shit shift where you go around and you have to be like, I'm just trying to be as friendly as I can, give them their. That's hard for you. Yeah, it's hard. It's like yeah, funny stuff. Yeah. Anyway, like coming back, I've just done this stuff, and because I was so shit at bike riding, yeah, I couldn't get back up the hill. So I remember just like walking this bike back up the hill, going, "What am I doing here?" Yeah. And that was that was dark. I never went back. And then what happened? From there, out of school, um, I, I know I've told this story a few times, but like growing up as a kid, all I wanted to do was be a professional sports person. I was always pretty good at sports and lucky enough to uh, get rookied at the time to uh, Richmond Footy Club. Uh, looking back at this experience, I like fast forward now, like median AFL salary is like $367,000. Like if you're an AFL list, Average wage for anyone who plays on an AFL is three hundred sixty-seven. So there's obviously people at a full at the range and spectrum of, uh, of of salaries. But at the time, rookies back then, I was my first contract was thirty-five thousand, thirty-four thousand five hundred. I made, and you had to have a laptop and a car. Didn't laptop, you? and I, had, I was driving around in a car, and like it was a seven-day-a-week thing. I look back, and like it was still today. Like I got to do some crazy things. Like I was doing public speaking, I'm signing autographs, people taking photos. I'm playing in front, playing in front of 50,000 people on the MCG. Like I look back and it took me a while to recover from, I guess the notion of the, the dream falling apart, not becoming what it, I wanted it to be, not me not feeling like I lived up to that potential. But some of the real insights I had from a career perspective is that how ruthless and a cutthroat the world is. You know, I had, if I look fast forward today, it's like I'm a contractor. You know, I had two contracts, two one-year deals, and then I got fired. You know, we're not, no, we're not going to continue your 
your contract. We're not going to offer you another contract. Mm. So for me, I'm out there. I'm trying to get recruited at another, com- another company, Mark, another club, yourself. market myself. Hey, I'll come to this. And so I talked to every single other club. I called them all directly after I played footy and I got the chop and please give us a chance. What can I do? And blah, 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 blah. And, um, I, I still have a story. I met, I bumped into one of the Sydney Swans recruiters um, a couple of years later and he's like, oh, you got, do you know that you came down to a coin toss, a, a, a coin toss in the rookie draft the year after I got delisted? It was a split room and we, we, you got, we end up going, the vote come down and we pick this other guy and they draft. So it was three to two to the other guy. And I got a, like, I look back and go, fuck, that was just one. I was one coin toss away from being like, I had no concept that that actually happened. I remember I was working for dad at the time. After I played footy, I went back and started, was doing like apprenticeship work for dad as a sparky. And um, I rewatched the rookie draft on the on the phone while in between us going to sites. And I was waiting for my name to pop up, just like cross my fingers, hoping I was going to get another chance. And it never came, you know. And it, one of the things I had to learn from that and a skill that I've brought with me now is, is resilience. And that it, it took me a while to um, come back to life from that. And I think it's it literally for to confront all the things a lot of people and athletes they don't they never get to that point but for me it took the best part of five to seven years it took a major accident like me doing my knee to give me that pause moment that stop that reflection looking back see things as an achievement detach my self-worth and identity from all like crazy amount of like emotional shit attached to a job you know at the end of the day it's just a it was just a job i got paid to go out there and perform on the thing at the end of the day they didn't want the thing anymore and there's it's 800 other people. It's a competitive industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah it's, crazy. A, it's hard. Yeah. So you've, you had to face reality and you were just like, well, that is life. Like you go from having rainbows pumped up your ass your whole life pretty much Correct. saying how good you are and how much potential you got and then something like that with things out of your control that, that you know, like that. that and hearing that thing of coming down to a – that's like reality. That's like a life selector VR type of setup there. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy. Right. I had a decision to make about do I want to keep being and chasing the dream or what do I want to do and understanding where I was at. Yeah. I went – And how old? I was – I got delisted at 19. And back then it wasn't – second chances weren't as – there wasn't as many feeder people coming yeah. in from the second team. And being comps. small and doesn't help back I then. was – Five nine and seventy kilos. You know, I played. Mm. I was 60, 67 kilos when I played my first game. Sixty-seven. Yeah. That's like the lightest person in the AFL. Yeah, crazy. And I, I, I had to make a call. And looking back now, it, it, I wouldn't be in the position I was, would be in, uh, that I am in today if I didn't make this call. Mm. I didn't pursue footy the yeah. same way. Yeah. I went to uni. I went down the education pathway. I went and did my um, ba- uh, undergrad, bachelor of business. Went on to do my master of international business, and I made a. My focus became on creating a new career pathway, yeah. Because I knew that the opportunities were very. The probability of me making it as an AFL player was pretty slim. I still had the dream and still went back to play semi professionally. I went and played footy in Werribee, and I thought about moving to Perth. I played up in Northern Territory, but I just I played locally and whatever. But it was not like a, I don't know, it wasn't a thing. You know, yeah. I, I didn't have the same passion as I because I, I took I, my the resilience aspect. I was. I was depressed. I was cooked. The job cooked me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, from there, I got the real reality. The reality check for me, and I told this story a couple of times, was in my next job. Yeah. My next job was when I worked at High Point Shopping Centre. Yeah. 
You've been to High Point a few times. Been to High Point in the food court. In the food court. <laughs> yeah, just eating some KFC. So I actually, my next job from there, I, I finished footy and I, I took a big bundle of CVs out, wrote a CV out and tried to get a job. No one would hire me because I didn't have any retail experience. I was like, fuck, I can't just come from playing on the MCG, signing autographs, and now I can't get a job at JJ's. Well, you don't fit the vibe, to be fair. I'm looking at you and you're more of a Dangerfield type of cat. Dangerfield. Anyway, my, f- my next job was at EB Games. So I... Uh, those who don't know what EB games are, it's like a video game shop. They sell PlayStation games, old Nintendo things. They just they sell stuff to people who like video games. That's yeah, that sort of cult, whatever. And it was as a kid, I loved video games. And for me, it was like this was like a dream job. Yeah, I was like this is pretty fun. The only reason just a regular I, job. Like I worked I was, at High Point. Yeah. I, still, I wore my old school shoes. Yeah, my Richmond slacks they gave me as part of my shirt. And I went to Target and I bought a like a five buck um, oversized white. Kids, uh, like yeah, 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 school shirt, yeah, tucked it in, and I was there. I there I was, my shirt tucked in on my old school shoes, selling the AFL game that I was featured in. Featured in, so I was because the AFL game come that come out in PlayStation Three and Xbox at the time got released in two thousand eleven. I was still on Richmond's list yeah. that year, and I'm a character on a, the video game. And I remember um, the the moment for me at EB Games, which was like another reality check, was when. I got recognised in the store by one of the, like a young kid who was like, would have been no older than like 12, right? He was coming in. He's like, are you Robbie Hicks? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, have you played at Richmond? Yeah. I was like, we end up playing the, the, we're playing some game, video game on the, on the, in the, in the store. I'm playing the AFL game with this young kid. And I'm like, fuck, my life has gone from that to, yeah. I'm wearing a school shirt, my old school shoes at, at High Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanging out with a 12-year-old, like, yeah. where am I? <laughs> How did this happen, you know? That is crazy. So your mind would have been just racing at that point of just like self-reflection of like what, like you just mentioned, like you're just going, how did it come here? And it's like you can definitely see the contrast there, can't you, of like that hits. Did you hits. go? Did you go home and go, wow? Well, at, the, at the time I was like, I need to do something else. I was still studying. I was like, yeah. I need to go and get myself, like I need it. Sport yeah. dream is definitely that that door's closed. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. If, yeah. I'm selling the game I used to be character on. That door's closed for me. And how did it end at EB Games then? I got a new job. What'd you do? So I went and got a job as uh, this is actually my pop. So not my grandma, my pop. He worked at a company called Chevello, which is one of the largest private uh, private companies in the world. They do like furniture, they do construction, they do sort of like pro build, but like mm. um, that they, they they make all their own furniture and office furniture and stuff. So anyway. He actually, this is he called in a personal favor to the because um, it was started by two brothers, mm. and then now one of their sons run the company, and they were like, they're like real family Italian family heritage, like Lamana vibes, Lamana vibes, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I remember turning up in my, uh, he got me an interview, and I met with the director of the company, like a multi-screen dollar company, and I'm some bum. I turned up and like, anyway, I got a job as a contract administrator, project coordinator. So this is where I started getting, the, I started getting uh, into the world of project management. I understood working back and forth. So I'd work with the factory, with production. I'd work with client site for delivery. I'd do customer-facing stuff and talk to the clients about what they wanted. I'd be doing all the invoicing. So for me, I, like, I learned how projects worked. I was like, I like this. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. This makes sense to me. Yeah. I can coordinate. I understand what the process. I can see how I can see the moving parts. and Like a foreman. Like a foreman, yeah. Yeah, like the architect. Not the architect. Don't like, know too much. That's too much. Too Just much, settle yeah. down. Settle down. But from there, I was like, um, I, I at the time I'd still hadn't finished my degree, so I was working. I was playing footy semi professionally at, at at Werribee. I was working at 
Chevello five days a week. I was trying to do my uni degree and it all felt like I couldn't get it all done. So I, uh, I jumped ship and I went and did my master's. I went, uh, I'd saved a bit of cash from the, up to that point. I was still living at home yeah. with mum and dad. And I, I was, I decided to, I need to get a better job. You know, I still, this is not what I can do. I need to do, I can be Why? more than this. Why? Because you're just like, there's, I'm not challenged enough. It just wasn't that, uh, it wasn't for Exciting. me. It wasn't yeah. for me. I like, yeah. I don't know where I'm going yet. I've mm. just had like, coming out of school, I've had these crazy expectations, what I thought my life could get to and what my potential could allow me to be and the type of opportunities and the type of experiences. And, and all of a sudden I'm working at High Point wearing my old school shoes and, Mm. Um, like uh, for me I just that's always been my thing in my head like mm. I, I don't know where I just want to create a life with a bit more security and stability and a bit more freedom of choice and I like the ability of being able to now that I'll get to it when we're doing what we do now mm. I love that yeah you know but it's taken me going through this whole story to get to where I am now and mm. that with that freedom of choice and stuff it's taken me all this shit stuff to get here 100% and from anyway this is where um, I sort of moved into this this pathway as well I end up as a consultant at a, at a management consulting firm, Charter Mason. Shout out to Nick Poles who he created the AFL Pathway Program and got someone five years out of the AFL system who had played three games and say, hey, mate, I saw you, uh, you noticed about this, interested in learning more. Anyway, he gave us a shot and from there I got to understand way more about the world of projects and, and the corporate world and um, people delivering things to customers and from there, for, uh, over the last like four or f- when I worked there for maybe four or five years, and I, I worked at companies like Coles, NAB, ANZ, Telstra, Kinetic Super. Like, I got to see inside and out about how does things work. There's lots of money transfer, a lot of new things coming to market. How does it work at scale? And uh, I fell into lean agile coaching, and and that's where we met Tam, our co-founder, uh, at ANZ at one of our jobs, and that's when she left to go to Pexa Property mm. Exchange Australia. She's a, as a coaching helping. Um, upskill technology teams and working to create high-performing teams. So for me, as a sports background, I was like, I've, I love this. You know, I understand how teams work. I've got skills that I've learned in the background, and now I'm working trying to help motivate teams of people and connect the dots and help them be more connected to deliver better things. Like I can see how my skills work here. Mm. So I dived in. I jumped in. I jumped across. I ended up leaving Charter, Ma- Charter Mason, which rebranded to 460. Took my first ever proper perm job at Pexa. Amazing company. They're an incredible company. I look back, there's just, they've, they've digitized the selling property in Australia. Like that's first type, first place in the world to ever do it. And you felt proud I, when, I, you, when I, you're working there and you're going, this I is crazy. It, yeah. Yeah. I had a sense of pride. I liked the You wore the name badge, you wore the lanyard out of the, out of the polo, tucked into the I liked slats. it. Culture-wise, I, I think they're a, good, they're a fantastic company and it was pretty hard decision to like, the security and the stability and a good wage. And like, I've done all this shit to work to get to this point to allow myself. I did have freedom of choice. I did have, I didn't have as much freedom of choice, but I had a good wage, I had a good stable salary. And you can we, see that life playing out, can't you? Yeah. But we jumped ship to start our own thing. And here we are today. It's crazy. Isn't so it? that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Oh, to be honest, I, like when you listen back and hear that and reflect on that, how does it make you feel? Uh, pretty, it's a bit emotional. I never really said like my story about how we got to this, but it's it's pretty interesting to see. I've made some big decisions. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's I'm better for them or not, but I I know that I'm living live and die by the sword. But I'm living my own way. I'm I'm creating my own pathway, and it shows like one, two, three, four, five, six, with seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen different jobs since I was like eighteen. You know, 
Yeah. In that's it's a lot. It is a lot, mate. Hey, anyway, that's me. I like that. Tell me about you. Yeah, it all started with with dad. You know what I mean? Like he had he was a uh, safe removalist, so that was a pretty hectic job back then. Like when you think about it, like removing safes, like the big fucking fuck off safes in the yeah in the big like Dan Murphys and all that sort of stuff. So he'd be moving them out of the the centers and all that sort of stuff, and I'd just be you know sleeping in the truck. But that gave me an insight into oh geez, like this is like work. You know what I mean? This is how you make money. But for me, it all started. Uh, it was weirdly I was at school and we had to do like placement you know what I mean um and I was like 15 or whatever and I love cricket so Greg Chapel Cricket Centre in uh North Melbourne the big blue centre there I was obsessed with the catalogues and all that sort of stuff like just full nuffy about cricket so for me uh that was the dream job so called him up myself and asked if I could you took come the in. initiative took the initiative and uh spoke to I forget his name I think it was Jason on the phone and uh he was just like uh, we have lots of people calling up trying to get work experience here, but you're the first like student to call us. It's normally the teachers. So it's like, yeah, for sure, come in. So I came in. That was the first like taste, and I was like, in heaven. I'm like, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm gonna be so 15, 16. Bats. I was like, this is crazy. Like cricketers are coming in. I'm freaking out. You know, I'm doing like retail. I'm doing all the cash registers. I'm like fixing the bats. I'm doing all the like just fucking everything there. So I was like, this is a really cool job. And obviously uh, going to school at Cricket Victoria or whatever, um, having that, you know, link and just always being around it was like, I was super immersed in that. And I just thought this is the well, best Did gig. people come into the stores? Were like, did yeah. athletes come into the stores? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like state players, international players. We had Brett Lee come in. Like if they were to promo for their um, brand or whatever, they'd come in and do signings and stuff. So it was crazy. I'd literally play cricket all day. I'd walk around with the bat, spin the balls. I'd, I'd look at all the new bats and all the strains. I knew everything. Is this is something that you still carry to this? Is that a skill? A little bit. No, I'm not as you, obsessed. But you carry a cricket bat around all the time. Oh, is that where you learnt this skill? Thing. Yeah, it's a weird thing. One thing I do is carry a cricket bat around the house and just fling it around and play music and just think. It's, it is weird. But, yeah, that is a weird obsession. But that's where it all started there. And uh, obviously just learning to work with other people and just all that sort of stuff. Uh, was cool so uh, eventually I liked the surf culture you know I'm not a surfer I'm one of them pretend ones I had the surfboard and had a few photos back in the day but I could never really stand up or do too much but I did like the culture and I did uh, I did uh, apply for a job at Jetty Surf from there so my cousin worked at uh, I think it was Northland another one and she recommended to go into Broadie um, and and get a job there so Went in there and uh, I don't know. Should I say this story? Tell the story. Tell him. Oh. T- set the scene for the interview. Well, well this is. He, I came in for the interview and he's just because I thought like surfing. You know, I have to know a bit about surfing or whatever. So when I went in to meet him for a coffee on the interview, Marty, the manager was at the time. He was just like, you know, what have you been up to this morning? And I just said, just checking the swell, man. He's like, you living in Brody, mate. What's going on there? And I just, <laughs> I was so tryhardy and looking back, it was just so. I was just so nervous. You know, I didn't know what to say. I was just a bit like, fucking, I don't know. You know, like, how much do I need to love surfing to work here? I, you know, I was just sucking ass, bro. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. whatever I have to do to get the job. But lucky enough to get a job there and met some, like, friends for life there, you know. And that was just sort of the beginning of, like, having fun and work. You know what I mean? Well, I was just like, yeah, You've told cool. me a couple of stories about this, about, like, the intimidation factor of being, like, work and retail and having some people come in and uh, in Brody and, like, pinch things off the racks. And, oh, crazy. And you're going... yeah. I'm 16 and I'm just... Am I meant to chase him or... We're insured. Are we like crazy? Yeah, it was crazy. Like definitely opened my eyes in terms of like dealing with people because people are the best, but they're also the worst, you know? And I was like, for my skill sets, I feel like forming connections and doing that sort of thing, I felt like a real strong attraction to that. So 
working retail was my jam, you know, and obviously free clothes and stuff doesn't doesn't hurt. So that that was cool too because they'd have like industry nights where you'd like Quicksilver or some new brand would come through and we'd go to check out their latest boardies and someone would come speak and shit like that and there'd be free piss and like I love that sort of stuff. Do you, you reckon know? that's where you got interested in brand? Oh, 100%. It was seeing all these different cultures collide, like, because uh, Jetty Surf was owned by General Pants, so often the p- big parties were General Pants, Jetty Surf, Surf Dive and Ski and a few other different things. So that would be a melting pot of all the different people, like the offshoots of the brand. And it was, it was cool because there was all different topics, like the Temper Trap, uh, the drummer and the singer, um, they worked on Burke Street on, the, on them ones there. So it was just like that type of vibe. And back in like 2010, like that sort of, like 2009 2010 yeah it was just like that vibe it was just so cool but yeah now that come to think of it that probably was when i became obsessed with like brands and how people market shit and all that sort of stuff but um while i was still at school i actually had a placement at sen you know the radio show 1116 sen so big shout out to francis leach who's a family friend of friend of ours the bradford's he hooked us up with because he had done the run home with uh david schwartz the ox back in the day and as part of my work, like school stuff, my placement there was every Tuesday. It was at like five o'clock. I'd do the show or four o'clock, whatever it was. What would you do? Uh, assistant to the producer. So I'd have to call up some of the guests and get them on. Like if they had, like Luke Hodge and Lee Montagna and all these people would come in, Matthew Richardson and shit. And I'd just chill there and just watch how the producers would like do the show and how they come up with the segment. Dermy was coming in and I'd just sit in the office and I would just be like, stuck to the wall kind of thing i didn't want to say anything bad or just like disrupt anything like i'm like this is the coolest thing like how insane is that like we're doing a podcast and we're in this space now and that was what you were doing well just learning yeah like now that i think about it like i did like immerse myself and i was just like a sponge i was just like how does this all happen like how people make segments and all that sort of good stuff so that was the coolest experience i had while working and still working at jetty surf and going to school and that sort of shit so that was sick um and then i got a job at the victorian electoral commission the reason i left um, oh no, sorry. That that's that was after that. Rewind before that. Park Royal was the uh, job after Jetty Surf because just working casually is just not enough money, and I just wanted to go out and do more things, and I couldn't with study. You know what I mean with uni. Yeah, yeah. So um, I did work different hours. So got a job at Park Royal, which was the Hilton at uh, the airport. Remember that back in the day? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was doing uh, catering and events, so all the function rooms and all that sort of stuff. So. That was crazy. So we'd have all the business people fly in, fly out, whatever, have the business meetings in the, all these like conference rooms and I'd set up all the conference rooms and flip all the chairs, like very physical job but also like serving people with a smile on your face. Like here's all the, these rich people. It was crazy, yeah. And I sort of – I was myself in that job where I felt like really cool. Like I was like the same as like retail. Like I sort of had that sort of fun, cheeky side which I think was helped me because, I don't know, people just want to be real, you know, and everyone there was really embracing of that too. So mm. I felt that was a cool job too, you know, and you're working with like different cats like, uh, you know, just people – I don't know, just didn't, that I've never worked with before, you know. Um, so that was good. And then uh, moved on because I was like, uh, I've got to apply for a job in Canada. So just off the bat, I was just like, I never snowboarded or done anything like that before. And I just was seeking a new adventure. So one night I just clicked on this thing and just said, look, I want to I do this, like whatever. So the next two jobs sort of lead into each other because well, I'd done it because of that. You, this is something you talk about a fair bit, but like your – if you see something, you're like the motto that you live by, you know, like diving head first into things. Yeah, well, I was just like, I was just like, I got that feeling of just like I wanted something different. I wanted to do something, I don't know, just explore something. I've never been overseas or done anything or any of that sort of stuff. So I was really, um, you know, just excited by something new. So I applied for this thing and the next morning they're like, yeah, coming for interviews on this thing. Done it with my friend Yasmin Speakman. Love her, big shout to her. She's been a big part of my life for a long time and I love her. 
Um, so, yeah, that was crazy and ended up, you know, the, in the interview, I was just shitting myself because I've never seen the snow. And you never I've seen the snow and you applied for a job as a snow... A lifty, yeah, or whatever the, whatever they thought I was. And, like, <laughs> the first question they asked is, like, describe your favourite power day. And I was like, I didn't even know what power was. And I'm like, the first one. Like, the first one, that's crazy. Like, that was your favourite day. And I was just made it up, like, I learned how to do it so it sticks out in my head kind of thing, you know, just spun it that way. But anyway, got the job there and I was like, well, I have time to save up and I need more money. So I ended up getting a job at the Victorian Electoral Commission um, which is, you know, if you don't know, they do all the, like, state, state uh, what is it, government, the local government elections and all that sort of shit. So I was assessing fines. So when people didn't vote, we'd send out the letter, like, you didn't vote, like, why, give us a reason. And if not, like, you know, you deal with all the different levels. So were you lenient or were you harsh? Very, very lenient, like, almost to the point of don't come back, you're too lenient, because I was doing all different types of stuff. Like, I was t- told the story a few times, but I'd have to – put my hand up if I want to go to the toilet and stuff like that. It was very, it was crazy. That's harsh. That's a harsh environment. It was very crazy. So that was just like, that was just crazy. So, uh, yeah, I was doing that and it was like data entry and all that. Like you said, it was just a bunch of different jobs that I've never done before and I had to be a bit more proper there, you know, and I had to be like wear within like boundaries and just, but I, I had to play the game. That was like the first thing of like, hey, it's not always on my terms and I had an end date with this. So I was always like, I'm going to Canada to do this, so I need to save up. So I had that goal in mind of like, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I can do this. I can do this. I just have to suck it up. And I sort of absorbed it. And I'm like, I'll have to be in situations later on like this where I won't be in the, like my ideal environment, but how do I deal with it? Yeah. So yeah. I was like, all right. So I made some like grouse friends from that too. You know what I mean? So I just like, what can I get out of it that, you know, that's a positive thing. So moved on to that. Uh, obviously, then went to Canada and. That was crazy, bro. That was the biggest turning point in my life, I reckon, just to experience new culture. Never been – I went to America a couple of months before, but um, coming back and then experiencing living there in, the, like, golden BC, British Columbia, which is, like, it's crazy. It's like heaven on earth, isn't it? Oh, mate, picturesque. And I was like, it's one of the hardest mountains in, the, in North America, so they get all the thrill-seekers and daredevils, and here's me who's been – I ended up going to – I think it was Falls right before just to, like, practice. I couldn't even stand up. So I'll get there <laughs> – First day in trials, I almost like I thought I broke my shoulder, you know, with just a little baby. I was on the baby run, and I'm like, oh, I can't do this. And then anyway, I just kept practicing in the car park, whatever. First day, they put me on the biggest lift, the double diamond, the black run, and I was going, "You're kidding!" So I had to slid, slide down on my ass the first day, and by the end, I was like bombing it and fanging it. But that was the scariest shit, bro. I was like, I just have to fucking learn. Like, what else am I going to do? Yeah, you know. So I was like head first into that, and I'm like, I just need to experience. Like, this might never happen again. You know what I mean? So let's just do it. So I ended up just like immersing myself in that, come back, decided to come back, and I was like, fuck, what am I going to do now, you know? So uh, I went and obviously you worked with your old man, I worked with my old man, he's got his uh, ashes mowing. Uh, so he was doing a bunch of, you know, work with clients and stuff like that. And having the opportunity to work with him and, and actually be on the tools together and see how he operates, I love it. Like I, it was, it was awesome. Like he's got a different rule to your daddy. It, like our family sort of rule is like four days a week, you know what I mean? Like they just try and take it easy, like – we talk about like work-life integration and balance and stuff like that. Like he's all about like life, you know, living life and just doing stuff with his Four friends and week. family. How yeah. nice is that? Well, that was always just like, don't work too hard. You know what I mean? Like make sure you, you've got enough energy to live your life, you know? So that's something I've always had in the back of my mind and to work with him and to see how he operates is just awesome. You know, 100%. banging tunes, eating some fast food, you know, it's all good. But happy memories. Happy memories, man. Always never going to forget that. And then, getting a job at the Mooney Valley Legends Bar, you know, that was crazy. The, the best part about that was I was working in the bistro and that was primarily older clientele, like 60 plus kind of thing, serving them lamb's fry and cheap sprains and all that sort of shit. 
But it made the biggest lesson was you can learn so much from old people. You know what I mean? Like the lessons on life and how they see things, they're like they're either really bitter and they hate everything and everything's a problem or they're so blissfully happy and, you know, they've got so many stories and they're so warm and cheeky. You know what I mean? That's all I love about it. Like it's not like so pleasant and nice. Like the cheeky oldies who just had a laugh and like their outlook on life. Like I feel like working there was grouse for me, you know, just to see well, they've lived 60, 70 years, you know what I mean, 80 years. They would have done a million different jobs. They would have done a million different so things. So many different jobs. And how do they hold themselves now? You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. I love that, you know? So that was a big lesson. Customer service, you know? Friday nights, everyone's blind drunk and I'm managing the shit show. You know, it's crazy with, like, uni student staff. But it was fun as. Well, you also worked... I, I think for, like, living with you at the time and seeing firsthand how you did this, like, you were working Christmas days, New Year's days... Split like shifts. Easter's, split shifts, like... You work Christmas. How many day, how many years in a row did oh, you work Christmas? Five or four or five, five or six. Christmas day, like yeah. what hours? Oh, just like uh, I'd work the day, like the lunch shifts, like ten till. So I'd miss out on our sort of breakfast lunch thing. I'd come halfway through our sort of stuff, but that was sort of just what I I just like. Oh, I have to pick it. It's either that or New Year's. Just sort of had to pick which one, and I always done that. But you know, you sacrifice. It's trade offs. It's like there's always going to be shit or shit elements to whatever. But you like, I just like embrace it. It was like, what else am I going to do? actually got a job at beyond rest doing the float flotation tank i went there once and that was the best experience of my life i'm like how do i do this how do i get involved with this so met nick who runs beyond rest over in uh, south yarra worked there for about six or seven months it's just a travel that cooked it for me i couldn't where we were living it was just so long you know what three I mean? hour walk the three hour walk <laughs> oh mate it was like a three hour train you know but that for me that that was like immersing myself in my interests you know working in a career that i'm interested in the moment and that was cool it was almost learning a different side of me which was sick and learning how different people operate you know and and i think everyone goes through that journey where they're trying to zen zen mode yeah a little bit of a zen mode and then i went back to um obviously the mooney valley legends but they had me back after that because i was just like i need to get back on and do something else while i figure it out end up getting a job at the Union Hotel, managed that same type of deal in Ascot Vale there, uh, the big pub on the corner. Awesome people there. Uh, big Craig is doing awesome stuff there and uh, a lot of heritage and a lot of history there and like having that customer-facing role and, you know, it's like what you, you had with the project management. There's all these different things, people that you need to keep happy. You've you done know. so many people-facing and, like, human jobs. I think yeah. that's, your biggest skill is you're a connector. Well, oh, thanks, mate. But, yeah, anyway, I go back, do the Union Hotel, whatever. Um, and then, obviously, we kick-started our journey with Opian Co., which um, we can talk about together, really, because we kicked it off our first ever business together because it was your idea. You pretty much kicked it off on your phone, didn't you, really? Well, we, wanted to, we did Australia's first slides company, so we wanted to launch our own shoe brand, which we did. Yeah. I, I roped you into being involved in it. We had a, we had a red-hot crack, and it was – we learned so much from that, from that experience, but I definitely know that's where it tickled the fancy of you going, well, what else can I do? Oh, 100%. You know? And then it led down to see digital media agency where we were helping small businesses with content. You know what I mean? So we were just like, this is what we need to be doing. This is the area where you were working, where you were working, understanding all that world. It was like, this is just... We, we saw it, didn't we? Like, yeah. like at that time, I was working at, at the bigger firms and we were, we were mm. trying to do our own thing with, with, with Obi and Co and the slides and we're going, yeah. well, what are companies... What are, People need content. People need to help with so they need to help communicating and acquiring customers. They need like we saw we, the problem. You were <laughs> you yeah. at the union. It was funny because yeah. yeah. at the same time as you being the manager of the thing, you took on the responsibilities of being there Doing from a seed digital media perspective. You ran all their socials. Yeah, it was crazy. So I was learning all them skills and all that sort of good stuff, which was which was crazy. You know what I mean? But 
the reason that uh, led me to move on from the union was just um, I wanted more. I knew what hours I wanted to, to work. And then uh, you connected with me and uh, allowed me to get a job and put myself in a, in a different situation in the, te- in the tech space. But Just Digital People it was sort of initially meant to be a content role, but turned into a recruitment role, which I was like, another new challenge I've never heard. I didn't even know what recruiters did. You know what I mean? I was like, what, what's this? It sounds know, cool. Didn't know why they didn't like you. Oh uh, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. So I went in on my twenty eighth birthday for the interview. You know, on your I'm, birthday, on my birthday, twenty eight years old. So starting something new, I never really heard about. But the week before, I'd done all the research in recruitment. I was like, who? Or how does it work? What does it do? I just consumed all the YouTube content you could. Yeah, come up, done the presentation, got the job, and I was like, fuck, this is what I'm doing now. You know, so I learned all that. We started the Funny Business Podcast and started doing more content and stuff like that. So and building your LinkedIn page, I think well, you that look was crazy. Back, yeah, twenty eight. You're starting in the world of tech. Yeah. No, not really LinkedIn. It's not a thing that you do. Fast forward today. Yeah. And you've got one of the biggest. You keep saying that, I but know, I but like it. Sounds good. No, but it, it is. Like, if yeah. you look at, like, that's, you built that through hard work, but that's, you yeah. have learned a new skill by coming into a brand new career. Yeah. Oh, I guess I have to do this now. Well, that's what I was just taking it on and just learning as much as I can. And I thank everyone for giving me the opportunity to, to learn at where, where it was, you know, whether they're a good experience or a bad experience, you take it away and you, and it's part of your chapter and part of what you do. So, um, moved on from there and, and went to all squares there, which I learned how that running a business is, because, you know, you're working closely with two founders, Julian and Danny there, and you're seeing how they operate and stuff like that. And you're going, that's crazy. Like that's a crazy life. And we're building what the funny business podcast and what we're doing out as well. So, at the end of the day, it just got too much. I couldn't do do both, you know. I had yeah, to yeah. make the call and like, do we make our dreams come true or do I stick this out? And it's like a crazy thing where it's like, what do you do? You know what I mean? So everyone's different. And and at, at that point, for me, it was like, we have to go all in to do this to make this a reality. But I just think having that the mindset of just like being able to take that leap and stuff and, you know, you don't want to burn any bridges on the way. You want to, you want to make sure you leave people, you know, like in a really, in a good way. So... It's hard. You just navigate your career. You just you just do it how you do. And I think like being authentic and sticking true to yourself, but also playing the game a little bit, where you know that you need to toe the line in certain areas and you can't do certain things. And like that's part of life. It's, you know, it's pretty crazy hearing this story. Going, you worked in radio. You did some stuff in sports. You quit. You worked. You, like the dedication and hard work of working Christmases and the sacrifice of doing things and making big calls. You know, big life changing calls that. You're like quitting jobs, moving to different countries, like mm. being people facing. I talk about your skills of like building community. And like, I got a story about when you worked at the Valley, the Mooney Valley Legends Bar. Yeah. And my mum, she teaches at a Catholic school and they have a, a, a nun. And it just shows the type of how you build connections, doesn't matter what age and who they are, where they come from, what they like, is you were the fa- you were her absolute favorite the nun at the school oh lucky he's the most like he's the most friendly he's the most amazing person and like that's you have a you did that you know well tess yeah big shout out to tessa she's a legend and like i'm not religious i don't come from that world or anything like that but like you just come across i just feel like everyone's different and like you just I don't know. When you put yourself in that position a lot, you just change it up. You learn. You just, I don't know. That's why I love this podcast and like the great job boom because it, like it, it's grouse to shake things up. It's grouse to in, take what you've learned and apply it in a different way because that's the unique flavour that you bring. Like that is your strength. That's yeah. your weapon. Find your skills. You know? Find what it makes sense and find what makes you happy. Oh, you know, so good. And just keep, and like you might do something and it's like not what you think and then you move on. Like, Whatever, you know, have the confidence in yourself. I think that's a big thing is having the confidence to 
trust what you've learned and trust yourself and, and I don't know. If you can take anything away from this episode, I hope it's just that sometimes you need to explore. Yes. You know, like yeah. if, you, if, you, if you play it safe mm. and you don't explore, then you're not going to – the chances, the opportunities aren't going to present themselves. I think that you look at the different skill sets and, and the opportunities that you've had in the, part, like in the past. You've done customer-facing stuff, building community. You've done some stuff with radio. You've done some stuff with sports. Um, you've done some stuff in content. You've done some stuff uh, – working running your own startup and your business you understand the world of tech and then you mash all those skills together and we've sort of created our own thing and we're, we're starting our new jobs and we're creating employment opportunities for other people and yeah like there's a there's a huge element to this jo- the great job boom because it's not just like if you want a job great but the flip sides of this which we get into in the next couple of episodes is what if you what if you're an employer trying to attract these crazy people with these skill sets and bring them into your organization what do you need to do so I hope that you got something out of this. There's the best thing about this series mm. is we're just we're binging it. You oh, hundred percent. You want to listen to them now? You like this? Up. Two and one, two, three. They're all out. Hundred percent. And to be honest, this is something that we're both so passionate about because we both have different paths, but we sort of led to the same point in our lives where we're at right now doing this podcast. And I just think it's a it's a good example of everyone's got their own way of doing things. Find what you want to do and just figure it out and whatever. Have confidence. You know what I mean? That's a big self love. Look after yourself and take on these challenges because that's how you grow. Hey, excited for you to listen to the next episode. See you then. Pretty crazy reflecting on the amount of jobs that you and I both had, Rob. It's weird seeing how the skills we picked up along the way have helped us put us in the position we are today. For those at home listening, I hope our stories of the many jobs we've had can give you the confidence to make a move to a new job or create the environment needed to attract the right people to your company. The key takeaway for me is that everyone is different and at different points of their lives. Live your journey and be confident in yourself. You aren't always going to get it right, but whatever. Don't forget, the remaining two episodes of New Job Who Dis presented by Seek are out now. Happy binging.